Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Matthew Omar, welcome to Canada's podcast. Uh, great to have you on the show. Um, I think we're going to have an interesting time. Uh, I think, you know, so everyone knows how Matthew got here, how Omar got here. Matthew, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've been doing, and how you got to where you are today kind of thing. That, that's a very loaded question, but I'll do my best to kind of address <laughs> that. Uh, it's like, what have, what have you been doing with your life for the last 44 yeah, years? Yeah, in five minutes, okay? Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now, if you're going to ask the same question of Omar, he's going to have five minutes of preparation time to think out his five-minute response as well. Oh, we're only going to give him three minutes. So I can go first. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, generally speaking, like, you know, I came to this country probably in 1980, I believe, uh, as, a, as a child then. And, you know, uh, but fast forward to now, you know, uh, education was, you know, highly prioritized in my family um, just for the sake of attaining education and doing something professional with your life. So, you know, that was strongly ingrained. Um, so, you know, I went to school in, you know, Oakville, Ontario, went to University of Toronto, um, in Mississauga. Um, and, you know, shortly thereafter, I spent about, about 15 odd years in the financial services industry in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, you know, working in a, an accounting firm on a, on a trading floor, uh, in a bank, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, shortly thereafter, uh, I opened up my own accounting practice, which is still in existence uh, today. Very, you know, it's, it's done quite well, thankfully. Um, and, you know, during that time, you know, uh, I met Omar Khan, uh, who's, you know, my best friend and, and partner uh, in a business we own together. And, you know, we've been, uh, you know, investing together in real estate and the stock market and also, you know, uh, you know, doing very specific things in the stock market as well. And along with my accounting practice, we decided let's do something that we really, really like to do and we can do it together uh, because, you know, one of the main tenants in, you know, building a business successfully with the partner is trust, right? And if you can take trust for granted, meaning like you implicitly trust your partner, then, you know, you it's, it's certainly a really big asset for you to have. And so a little while ago, we opened up a, a company which we're working together with, uh, together on with. And uh, that's what brings us here today. And hopefully that's less than three minutes. Omar, you came from Mississauga. Uh, why don't you just tell, do the same kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my same thing, same, 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 similar story to Matthews. My parents came as immigrants to the country in the 70s. Uh, I came in when I was a, a small, small child, um, and growing up, my parents always believed, and they also, same thing with like with Matthew's parents, uh, they prioritized education, right? They didn't come mm-hmm. with much, but they prioritized education. In fact, I remember vividly having multiple conversations with my parents telling me that if I didn't go to university, they were going to kill me. Like legitimately, <laughs> right? right? It, was a, it wasn't like a, hey, should I go to school? Should I not? It was no question. They said, hey, we left, came halfway around the world. If you and your brothers don't go to university, we're going to kill you. It was very well understood. So <laughs> early on, that was ingrained. Now, as we got older, I know my parents didn't have a lot. Uh, you know, we always had enough, but we never had extra. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, very typical immigrant story. Uh, it's so and, typical. I'm an immigrant, typical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Because you, you're not established in, in the new country, right? So it takes a while to get established. So... 
uh, you know, growing up, we didn't have much, um, you know, again, we always had enough, but never, never excess. So I always had a desire for more. I always want to make more. I always wanted to get more. And I had a huge, you know, interest in, in money and finance and economics. So, you know, I went to school, thought I'd get some education there. Uh, nothing in high school, of course. Uh, I got accepted to the University of Toronto. I completed a degree in economics at the University of Toronto. Uh, that's where Matthew and I met. We met in first year. We've been best friends ever since. That's 26 years ago, I met. Wow, very long time. Ago. That's pretty good, guys. Pretty good. Yeah, so it's a cool thing to be able to work with your with your with your best friend on a, on a project uh, like this. It's uh, it's our life's work essentially. So mm-hmm. we started trading in 1998, around what 22 years ago. Uh, but to tell you how financially ignorant we were, or I was, anyways, my first day of university, walk in, Citibank's handing out credit cards. What do I do? I'm an 18 year old kid. What do you think I'm gonna do? Take the credit card. Take the card. <laughs> card without any full understanding of the ramifications, right? Credit scores, compounding interest. I, in fact, I took the card, skipped my entire first day of school, and I went to square one and blew my entire uh, credit. <laughs> right, and then I had to pay for it, you know, the hard way, right? And you know, the thing is, Philip, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, I should have been educated in high school, or at least in university, the first few days. Hey, guys, they're going to be handing out credit cards to you. Here's how they work. You know, simple stuff. So that's just a microcosm, I think, of how society is very, very uh, unaware of, of, of their financial matters. So I graduated university, uh, started uh, working in the financial service industry. And, you know, over the years, because uh, Matthew and I have been trading for so long, we, we self-taught each other. We, 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 you know, we self-educated uh, mm-hmm. because you don't really get education as to how to manage your money in university or in high school. In fact, you don't even get in the industry that you work in. So we had to teach ourselves over the years. We taught okay. ourselves, luckily. We took the proceeds. We, you know, we both acquired sizable real estate portfolios, sizable trading accounts. Uh, neither of us has to work uh, anymore if we don't want to, and which is a great thing. Uh, which, and here, I'm not saying that to boast whatsoever. I'm just saying it because it gives you a lot of choices in life. So mm-hmm. last summer, Matthew and I said, you know, we had taught about, about closer to about 100 friends and family over the year how to trade and how to invest their money. So mm-hmm. last summer, we, you know, we had a long discussion. We thought about it for months and months and months. And we said, hey, why don't we teach people to invest the way, we, the way we've learned over the years? And that's how Theta Trading Co. was born. So right now, I, we, we run this business full-time. Uh, I'm a part-time uh, real estate investor with a sizable real estate portfolio. And also, I trade my own account. Uh, but the, the, the true reason behind doing this uh, Philip is because, you know, we were both the victims of financial illiteracy growing up. It caused a lot of problems in our lives, especially in our twenties. And it didn't have to be that way. It could have been easily eradicated with a little bit of knowledge, but that knowledge wasn't there. And that's why we started this company. So 13 months on to start of this company, you know, we've, uh, we've put 800 people through our program. Uh, we have a very cool thing because I, we didn't know when we started this, um, I don't know if you got a chance to look at our reviews or anything like that. We have, a, we have 127 reviews on Google and each and every one are five star. And they're not, like, awesome. they're not coaxed. They're not like, they're like, Hey, you know, give us a high rating or it's not like that. If you look at the common wording in the reviews, it's game changing, life changing. These are the commonalities because we've shown people that they can manage their own money and they can do a great job of it just with a little bit of education. So that's who I am. That's where we are. Uh, we plan on, 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 on making this company uh, significantly larger over the years, but it's truly our passion and our life's work. So that's a bit of my background. Sorry, I might have rambled on a bit more than your three no, minutes. No, that's okay. That's okay. 
So, you know, you've both grow, grown up in, you, you know, the financial services industry. You, you've successfully traded, you, you know, invested. You know, but, I mean, entrepreneurship is, is, is a risk-based activity. I mean, m- most people don't become entrepreneurs because they have to step outside of the comfort zone uh, into into a less secure, some would say less secure environment. And also, you know, they're, 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 they're addicted to their income at work, right? They need that yeah, income because most yes, people... Right. So, so I mean, well, what, what, what you, I mean, what's your perspective about becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, obviously, you... you from I mean, Matthew, you're you're an accountant uh, as well. By the way, you got to listen to my show on Wednesday, which is with somebody called the Grumpy Accountant. Maybe it's you too. But you listen on Wednesday, anyway. Whatever. Um, but you know, why step into risk when you can have a job? You can you can be in a brokerage. You can be an investment guy. I can answer that really easily. I, can yeah. I, I think, I think, I think it's, yeah. it's interesting. I'm interested to find out because you both have been successful and generated income in that kind of closed environment, basically. Well, I mean, yeah. So, so first of all, uh, I, I frame it one way is, yeah, an income every two weeks or every month, it's great, right? But mm-hmm. it takes up so much of your time that doesn't allow you to do much else with it. Like I worked downtown for 15 years, uh, and you know, it's an hour getting in there. It's an hour getting out in terms of door to door. Like by the time mm-hmm. I hop in my car, I drive to the go station, I find mm-hmm. a spot, I walk there, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, you know, so that, and that, that's two hours of your life. You're not getting back. Then you have to concentrate at work and you know, you probably get up an hour before that anyways at home getting ready, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Then that's one thing. But the other thing, which I find even more and more, uh, dire is I don't think personally uh, being an entrepreneur is more risky. I think that being an employee is more risky because if you, exactly, like if you, if, supposing, you know, you're, in, you're 55 years old, 56 years old, you're, you know, a VP at a bank or SVP at a bank or wherever you are, right? And you get mm-hmm. laid off. What do you think the chance of you getting that job or better are? Very slim. You better have all your ducks in a row because you might be, almost forced into a retirement at that time, or you, or you may be settling for a salary, which is significantly lower. So I, and, and the other thing is I, I don't, uh, when you're working for an employee, uh, sorry, an employer, uh, you know, oftentimes it's the case where, you know, you're getting to retirement years. And I've seen this myself at, at more than one company, you know, you get to the point where uh, it's, it's layoff season and the elder elder statesmen are saying, I hope I get laid off because then I get to collect my severance. And the even more elder and senior statesmen are saying, we're not going to lay this guy off because if we ha- keep him on one more year, he's going to quit. And I'm like, what a crappy way to end potentially 35 years of your life where you could have spent that more uh, on more valuable kind of Interesting, things. Yeah. Okay. Another thing is, you know, I don't know whether you've listened to any of the podcasts. We've had three Three sort of fintech guys recently in the last sort of six months that have taken basically insurance-based startups, uh, it, it, you know, online. Okay, you guys have come from the investment side of things. 
I mean, uh, what do you see, you know, and you're, do, you're doing things differently. So you're not taking what was there. Uh, you, you're looking at it differently. I mean, what do you see, see as the future of your industry? I mean, are you, you know, are you the only guys doing this? Or are you one of a group of people across the, the continent, if you like, that's changing the way we, the way we, the way people have traditionally, you know, done investment? Yeah, I can answer that question, Philip. So uh, traditional investment style was pretty simple, right? You'd walk into a bank, a bank, or like, or like a, or you'd hire a. Uh, financial advisor, whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and then you know you, you you fill out a bunch of forms. They say, okay, you get the blah 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 balance fund, okay, and they'll slot you into some fund, okay. Now, what the reason people accepted this is because they're so ignorant as to what to do with their money. They don't know how to do anything with their money, so they're like, okay, I don't know what else to do with it. You take care of it, right? That's traditionally the way the industry functioned. Uh, but with the movement and the uh, obviously the acceleration of technology, what's happened is people have started to realize, they've started to realize uh, very quickly that, you know, about 92% of, of these professional money managers after 15 year period, they can't even beat the stock market. Okay. That's a huge problem. So what people are saying is, Hey, if the professionals can't beat, beat the stock market, why don't I invest in these things called ETFs? I'm sure you've, uh, See, mm-hmm. there's a huge movement mm-hmm. towards ETFs, exchange-traded funds. Yeah. It's a very cheap way for you to participate in the market, okay? And get rid of the middleman, which is the person managing the money for you. Okay. Now, that's where the industry is heading. What we have done and why we have such a, a, a loyal following is because we said, okay, there's, that's one-way ETFs. But through a little bit of knowledge and, and work and you know, a little elbow, elbow grease, you can learn how to manage your own money. And that's why our company's been so successful in the first uh, 13 months is because we've truly empowered people with the, with the knowledge they need to actually uh, manage their own money and give them a, give them a brighter future, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you, you, let's say you have $100,000 into an RSP, okay? You know, you're paying about $3,000 a year, each and every year for that money to be managed for you, you know? Uh, and, and then that's why the industry is, and that's why you're seeing so many new fintechs and the, the way the world is changing so quickly um, what we do here at Theta is we're, we do something very unique and, and specific, a very specific way of investing. And it seems to be uh, working very well with our student base. Uh, they seem to gravitate towards it uh, significantly. So, you know, Matthew, what's the greatest challenge, not just in this business, because you've been running a business for a while, what's the greatest challenge you've faced in your businesses to date? Uh, Matt, you're on, you're on mute, Matt. I was, I was trying to abide by, you know, proper podcast protocol by going on mute when I'm not speaking. It's, it's backfires every single time. Uh, pardon me. Um, but you can cut this out later. Uh, but yeah. what, what I'm saying, uh, I, I guess a couple of things. Uh, at the infancy, you know what the issue is? The issue is clients, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the day, on day one, when I opened my accounting practices, you know, I, I'm blessed and and the fact that I have a professional service to offer, so my overhead is not very high, but there's still some overhead, right? And you have no clients. So then it's like, okay, I'm going to spend all my time marketing and getting clients. Uh, and then that, that's a stress there too. Then as you get on, you get more and more clients. And now it's like, 
oh God, I need to hire people to do this work because I have too many clients and I need to still, still do some marketing. So I think managing your day and managing your time is really important. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the better you can really assess what functions you should be engaged in and responsible for versus what functions others should be responsible for, uh, that's, that's a worthwhile endeavor, in my opinion, just to kind of manage your own time more efficiently. Well, Omar, a little different challenge thing to throw at you. Uh, and Matthew, can you dive in if, if you want, want to interrupt? What do you see as the biggest challenge in your future in this business where you're together as entrepreneurs? Um, our biggest, I think our biggest challenge will be uh, just the, managing the growth of the company, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's grown uh, significantly you know, it's gone faster than we anticipated. Uh, so just managing, you know, because we, you know, we believe in a system of outsourcing, delegating and systematizing our entire, our entire business. You know, a great business should function without the owners there. Right. Yep. Absolutely. That's exactly. And that's the, so to manage the, the growth and to get our company where we want to, to the point where we can, you know, pull back a bit, that's been the greatest challenge thus far because you got to get everything in order. You know, you got to get your website in order. You got to get your sales process in order. You got to get your accounting in order. You got to get your customer service in order. You got to get everything in order. And the more it's automated and systematized, the easier it is, you know, for sustainability and keeping costs down, obviously, and growing your business. Uh, so for us, I think that's probably been the biggest challenge managing our growth. Uh, we're doing a pretty good job of it so far, but you know, there's a, there's yeah. a lot to do, right? I, I think yeah. on top of that is maybe like uh, a lot of this is us stepping outside of our comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I with my accounting practice and Omar's real estate uh, endeavors, like a lot of this is, it's very, very comfortable for us, but like we effectively run an e-commerce business and mm -hmm. both of us have no idea what e-commerce was like <laughs> you know, 12 months ago. It's like e-commerce. Oh, that's that thing where someone tries to sell you something online. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. Right. Uh, we're doing exactly that. We're trying to sell kind of professional, uh, professional quality work online. So like learning that stuff, that's been challenging so far, but it's, I've kind of take it from the perspective of let's, let's have like a, it's like a new project for myself. Let's just see how much I can learn and, and leave it to the experts, at least understand it though. Okay. So a couple of, couple of little lesson questions. I'll throw one at you, Matthew. If you go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? You know, for that young, emerging entrepreneur. Uh, don't work for an employer for as long as I did. That's, a good, that's interesting. Yeah. You knew you were... Let, let, let me clarify that. I don't mean to say that, you know, the Bay Street guys are bad or whatever. I, I think an invaluable skill you take away is mm -hmm. you see what a best-in-class product looks like, whatever that might be. And mm -hmm. that's a document, a report the way to conduct a board meeting, et cetera, et cetera, a senior manager meeting, whatever that might be. But I don't think, I don't think I should have been there for as long as I was. Uh, and Omar, same kind of vein. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? You keep applying to your day-to-day -day kind of business life. The best piece of advice I ever received in terms of my life, in terms of business as well, is, you know, someone, I've heard this so many times throughout my life. Find something you truly have a passion for and you feel like you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. Do you know how hard it is to find that thing? 
right? And then, and, and then, it, took, it took me to my to till I was about forty to find it. Yeah, ex that's exactly my point, right? So yeah. for us, it was sitting under our nose the entire time. We love trading. We love teaching people. We just did it as a hobby. We right. never thought we could monetize it, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say that's the best piece of advice to, to do something you love every day. Uh, and, and wake up with a smile on your face. It's something you actually like to do. You, you look forward to doing it. Uh, that's the best piece of advice uh, I have received. So but Not an easy thing to find, Philip. Not an no, easy thing. No, okay. Let's move on to some little kind of fun ones. Uh, Matthew, we'll go back to you. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Uh, resilient. Yeah. <laughs> Omar, you, your turn. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I think mine is something synonymous with resilient is something I would use as well. Yeah. Okay. And, and, okay. and the reason is because we've been through so much hell in our life yeah. and we just kept pushing forward. And Matt and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. We will will ourselves there. We always talk about that. We will will ourselves to the goal line. So, you know, the ones who do the best at life in general, because life is, you know, life is difficult. Mm -hmm. The ones who can take the most and keep pushing forward are the mm -hmm. ones who generally succeed. And, you know, so I would say, yeah, something. So the, the, the really ironic and painful thing about this is I don't think I'd have it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's no other option here. Keep going. This is, this is to both of you. What's keeping you up at night these days? Right, nothing. Nothing really. Yeah. No? No, we're pretty good. You're in, good, you're in good shape. You got nothing. No, nothing really. Because we know that we're like, we know that if we ever, if we, if you know, we don't like. Again, we put ourselves in a pretty good position. If we didn't have to work ever again, we we have enough knowledge. We have enough financial knowledge that we can take care of ourselves and our families for the rest of our lives, whatever we're working in. Uh, so the I guess if anything keeps us up at night, it's managing the growth of the company and doing right by our students. Because a lot, you have, you know, we have one reputation. And the last thing we're ever going to do is jeopardize our reputation or our company. Uh, so I would say, if, if anything, that would be it. But really, we, we sleep pretty well. <laughs> okay. So each of you, what is the non-negotiable component that you, each of you have to have in your life? I'll go first. In your business life. And not me. Yeah, I'll go first this one. Um, you know, when you when you start a business like this and you and you and you grow your business, you have to have a company culture, right? There's a corporate yeah. culture you should have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt and I have talked to this many times. Our culture is is going to be defined, or is defined already. We will only work with high quality people. I don't care how smart you are, if you have low quality, which means if you're not ethical, and I don't care what you do in your own personal life. That's not my problem. I'm talking about business ethics. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Warren, Warren Buffett said it best. You know, you make a mistake and I'll be forgiving. You, you are, if you are unethical, I will be ruthless. That is exactly what translates to our business, right? So the ethics component and the way people conduct themselves, you know, treating others well, uh, good people, uh, people you don't have to look over your shoulder. They know they're not going to try to screw you this way or that way. So for us, that's, uh, I think for, for company culture, that's been the biggest component. What about you, Matthew? Oh, I'd have to do something very similar, like that, that whole thing about trust and, you know, trusting the people you're working with in terms of the people that we have uh, taken on as employees and partners in our business here and also with one another. And yeah, like you, you, that, that's something that money can't buy. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've always told Omar, if we, if we get a bad feeling about someone or something, uh, you know, look the other way and run. Interesting. It's been, I, I see, I see we're coming to the end of our little 40, 40 minutes of, of, of meeting each other. Um, it, you know, if there's one thing each of you could sort of pass on to kind of someone that's thinking of of stepping out of that job cushion, what would it be? Uh, I can go first here. I, I For me, I stepped out of my job seven years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, we had three young kids home at the time, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And a live-in nanny, okay? So my expenses were very high. Yeah. Young family, right? My wife's a teacher. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm never going to go back to work ever again in my life. Remember, remember that conversation, Matt? Mm-hmm. Right. And the reason I was able to do it, and this is what advice I'd give people is put yourself in a financial position to do what you want to do with your life. Right. Because a lot of the times what we do in our lives is dictated by our financial position. Nobody ever grows up and says, Hey, yeah, I want to be, you know, you know, for the most part, people just don't grow up and say, I want to be like, like me, nobody grows up and says, I want to be a mutual funds wholesaler. Right. It's generally not a conversation that you have with people, right? But when you put yourself in a financial position, then you can truly introspectively look inside and say, what do I have a passion for? And I can pursue my passion. You can never pursue your passion, though, if you're not in a financial position to do so. And that's the biggest conundrum, I think, with people starting businesses because you're so addicted to the income, right? Because you got expenses to pay for, mortgage, kids, blah, blah, blah. How are you going to pull that away you know, and say, I'm going to go into this unknown quantity and I might make any money. I might not. Who knows? So I would say that's the biggest piece of advice. Put yourself in a financial position to do what you want to do, because if you find that passion, generally speaking, if you put in a bit of effort, you're probably going to do pretty well. Matthew? Uh, well, I mean, th- that's interesting what Omar said, because I'm going to sound, usually I'm not, usually Omar is the bigger risk taker than I am in, in this kind of business relationship. And uh, so you are an accountant after all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I <laughs> I'm, I, I'm an accountant, but, you know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to be more sociable than a, the average accountant, a little bit more, you know, entrepreneurial than the average accountant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what my response is going to be is, is going to be actually riskier than what Omar's reply was. Uh, and my only suggestion is uh, if you have an idea and, you know, it, it, it's even half formed, like jump in, right? I heard this old adage, not old adage, I heard this adage a while ago. It's like, it's not uh, ready, aim, fire. It's ready, fire, aim, right? Like if you yeah. have the idea, yeah. just, yeah. just take a shot. Yeah. Let the, the ducks will fall, the, the cars will fall where they may. You can reorganize them later. Right. But, you know, you're doing yourself only a disservice by not uh, giving yourself a shot. Good stuff, guys. That's, this has been fun. I, 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 uh, how can people get hold of you? Um, Call Omar. <laughs> uh, at, on, on social media obviously we're our name our name of our company is stage you know that, we, we got we got that we got that <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you can go to our website uh theta trading co.com or mm-hmm. you can email either of us matthew at theta trading co.com or omar at theta trading co.com uh, but uh, you know what i would encourage people to do uh, this is all about entrepreneurship, right? And what we do is we provide people with a mechanism, a, a ways, uh, a way to make additional income uh, on the side. And that is vital 
if you're ever looking to start your own business. Yeah. So I'd encourage those uh, of, of anyone who's interested in creating another income stream for themselves so they can do what they want. I encourage them to take a look at what we do. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much. It's been great having you on Canvas Podcast. It's been a fun, a fun interview. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for your time. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on.